0: A new day dawns on Audoron. Castian must face the aftermath of the brutal Blackson attack, while Cerise Nabella must face the realities of being on the same planet as Castian and the emotional complications that come with him.
1: The Cliffshade Inn is a fine establishment. It has a bed. It has a fresher... It's really all you need after dragging yourself in after that fight, Castian.
0: Yes, Castian does his best to hide his injuries when he gets a room there, thanks to a nearby store where he was able to buy, you know, things that look like he was buying stuff for like a tourist stuff, like sanitation products, glue, things like that. So in the alleyway, he's like stitching up everything that's bleeding just to get him through paying for a room and getting to his room before, you know, his wounds open up again and he starts bleeding all over the place. But ever the professional, Castian works to sew himself up and use back to patches and injections to try to heal most of the damage. First off, definitely Castian's going to be using a stem pack on himself. Mm -hmm. Just it's an injection of painkillers, spice, and things that help congeal the blood.
1: So you can use one of those to heal five wounds automatically. Mm -hmm. It subtracts one wound per additional stem pack used without full night's rest. So if you were to use a second one immediately, it would only heal four.
0: Well, I don't have too many stem packs. I think I only have two on me right now. Okay. First, I'll definitely use the stem pack. And then I'm using whatever I can find in the room. Plus what I got from that little store outside to try to heal anything else. So I'm using medicine.
1: I believe that is a roll. Difficulty? Average difficulty. Two purple. Add two difficulty because you are treating your own wounds. Total of four.
0: I'm going to flip a destiny point to give myself a yellow. Castian got one success, but two threats.
1: So for each success, you heal one wound, for each threat, you take one strain.
0: Okay, so I'm down to seven strain right now. Castian is biting down on his belt as he uses a scrub brush that he stole from the housekeeper cart on his back wound to get rid of the burnt uh, skin, and then he is applying a gel that helps skin growth there. So with that, I'm up to 10, so I am no longer have half my health gone, but I am falling into a deep sleep. Mm-hmm.
1: And one night of natural rest heals one wound and all strain. When you wake in the morning, gray dawn light is coming through the windows, even though the chronometer tells you it is well past dawn. You're low enough in Crevasse City that it takes a while for sunlight to reach all the way down here.
0: Cassian doesn't even remember falling asleep. He remembers applying that last bit of skin ointment before finally just passing out from all the pain, and he was lucky that he fell right onto the bed. But he wakes up with a start, takes a deep breath, and then rolls over and just inspects some of the wounds.
1: You're looking better. Definitely.
0: Oh, goodness. And Cassian walks over to that last remaining stem pack that he had, presses it against the side of his neck, and injects it into himself. Again, it's just oh. a rush of anti-inflammatories, blood congealer, and pain medication. And he winces a little bit, drops the syringe, and just lets the stem pack do its work. I'm going to cure five more wounds, and I'm bringing me up to 16 out of 19.
1: There you go. Oh.
0: All right. And he's looking around and he notes that he's in his undergarments, which are just a pair of shorts. And he squints, not remembering getting undressed. And then he finally looks into the refresher and inside the ice bucket is some cleaning solution and what remains of his outfit. And he digs it out and looks at it. And of course, there's still like he, he's gotten the blood off it. But it's a mess. There's cuts. There's a blaster bolt through the back of his jacket. And he just kind of drops it and pinches the bridge of his nose saying, oh, this is turning out great. This is turning out great. Good first impression. You're going to see Cerise Nubella wearing this. And he just like presents himself in his underwear towards the mirror.
1: And at that mention, there is a knock at the door.
0: Castian shoots a glance to the door and wrinkles his nose, not remembering telling anybody where he's at. So he kind of rolls over the bed, grabbing his vibro knife, and moves to the door very carefully. Yes, who is it?
1: It's me. Can I come in?
0: Cerise. And he pauses for a second before remembering. That's right, he did tell Cerise he was going to the cliffshade Inn. He goes to the door and opens it up a little bit
1: and peeks out. Hey, hi. She's not even looking up at you. She once again has her eyes glued to her tablet. Good, you're awake. We don't have very much time. I just came here to deliver- and she looks up. And even though you've only opened the door a little bit, it's enough for her to be able to see that you're not wearing a whole lot behind that door. And she stops talking.
0: I, if, I, I, was, I was about to enter the refresh. this is a bad time. No, I no. I mean, it's not a bad time. Come, come in, come in, come in, he says as he hears like the jingling of a cart and he doesn't know who's hunting him. So he's worried. It, it most likely is just room service or the housekeeping. But he's like, no, 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 no. Um, c- come in, come in. Um, I was... I I will grab some pants. I'm and he ushers her inside before shooting a glance down the hall to make sure it is just room service.
1: It's just housekeeping. And Cerise steps inside. When you open the door wider for her to come through, you see that she has a garment bag draped over one arm.
0: Oh, what's this? he says as he closes the door behind him, trying to awkwardly hide the slash mark across his stomach which makes it more obvious that he's hiding something on his stomach. As soon as she enters, Castian winces as now he's finally taking stock of what the room looks like. It looks like someone did surgery in here. There's blood on, like, the drapes. There's bandages. There's—it looks like a Doctors Without Sectors surgical tent.
1: And Cerise is taking all of it in. And she looks at you, and she looks you up and down.
0: He lowers his arm.
1: What happened?
0: Someone attacked me as I was coming back to the cliff shade in last night.
1: Who? Why would that happen?
0: And Castian opens his mouth, ready to spew some sort of lie, because that's what Castian does. He's a liar. But then he pauses as he sees Cerise's face looks concerned. It was Black Sun. I, I don't, I, I don't know. It's, it's a crime syndicate on Ord Mantel.
1: I know who Black Sun is.
0: I don't know why they're after me. I mean, there's still a bounty out by the Empire for my capture, but I don't know how they found me. But one did, and that's to say it was not a fun fight. He nearly killed me.
1: What happened to him?
0: Castian lowers his eyes. Not something that should be discovered very soon. I see. Uh, Cerise, I'm sorry. I don't know what they want from me. I seriously have no idea. I've not messed with Black Sun. I've avoided the huts. I'm just trying to avoid everything and, and get to meet this doctor so I can help my friend. I-I'm I-I'm sorry.
1: I I don't know why I thought this was going to be any different.
0: No, no, it is-it's different. It is-it's different. It's not-I mean, different from what? He kind of realizes, like, what she means by that. This is who I am. Like, I don't understand. You know that I'm being hunted. You're the only one that really knows. You and Laris, did you not think that this was a possibility?
1: I was really hoping that I'd be able to walk into your room and not find it covered in blood. I brought you some fresh clothes. I can see that they're needed now more than ever.
0: Castian watches as she turns away to hang up his clothing and just kind of pinches the bridge of his nose. This isn't how I planned for us to, to spend our time together. You know, I had this whole thing in my head, too. But the only thing that's happened so far is... You not being able to meet me, me not being able to see you, and when we finally meet, let's not forget my amazing thumbs-ups, and then you walked away, which is fine, I understand, I am I am completely the one interrupting your work and your life right now, but I, I want you to know, and he walks towards her and tries to take her hand, I don't want this life. I want the life we talked about in the letters... About our hopes and dreams. I I liked that. I want to just live that. I want to finally kiss you. Hug you. Be with you. And don't let the galaxy get in the way.
1: Then why haven't you?
0: Castian is taken back by that a little bit. That's very bold of her. I would like to make a fear check.
1: What? A fear check?
0: Here's why I think there should be some fear involved. And I think every reason we list, that should be a purple dice.
1: Why don't you start listing them and I'll tell you whether it's worthy of a purple die or a setback die.
0: Castian's never actually kissed someone.
1: Oh, that's a purple die.
0: Castian has it in his head of the dark woman. Do not have attachments.
1: All right, I'll give you a purple die for that.
0: And he's just worried that this could be a bad idea for her.
1: Make that a setback die.
0: One success, two threats. Castian pauses for one second, but to him, his mind is flowing with information, fears, whispers. He remembers the Dark Woman telling him that he's not supposed to have attachment. Kida talks about not having attachment, about there's no emotion, there's only peace. He has uh, the guilt of the Jedi, the guilt of an Inquisitor saying, maybe I don't deserve this, but it's only for one second before everything in his mind goes blank as he looks into her eyes and he rests his hands against the side of her head and brings her in and he does kiss her and it is great <laughs> i mean there's there's nothing really poetic about it these are two people who have been flirting heavily for the past couple months in letters they've dreamed about each other hopefully at least castian has and now it's two people who are finally being able to actually live that fantasy and a kiss turns into two into three. And soon enough, Castian is not even worried about the fact that he is covered in bruises and cuts and a blaster mark. And instead he is kissing her deeply. And hopefully she's kissing him.
1: Yes, definitely kissing back. You did have two threats, which one of those is going to be taking a point of strain as Cerise Nebella's hands are moving over your body and pokes and prods at a couple of places that are still injured. But you power through the kiss and just as she pushes you towards that bed, your communicator sounds.
0: Nope, I'm ignoring it. I am ignoring it. This is happening. Castian is pulling her onto the bed and they're still kissing. And honestly, the, the communicator, it will, it goes off and everything's fine. Everything. It's fine. It's fine. Just keep going. It's nobody.
1: It goes off again.
0: Castian pauses and looks towards the communicator on the table.
1: Should Should you get that?
0: No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm handling you. I mean, I'm mean, I'm, i I'm, I'm handling this situation. <sighs> he grabs his communicator and says,
1: What? Sir, is everything all right?
0: I do not want you to be any part of this memory. Goodbye.
1: Sir, sir, but as you requested, we have done a thorough search.
0: And you found nothing, right?
1: We found a tracking device, as you predicted. <clears throat> Quite clever of you, sir.
0: So he's literally on top of Cerise Nabella. Her hair is messed up. It's kind of sprawled out. And he slowly slowly snakes off of her.
1: And she starts to sit up and is rearranging her hair.
0: A tracking device, you say?
1: Correct, sir. It was attached to the pallets. That's how they found me.
0: Okay, did you disable the device?
1: Of course, sir. And we have moved the ship approximately one kilometer north or northwest. I am going to withhold the exact coordinates from you until you can assure me that you are no longer in a compromised position.
0: Oh, I assure you. I am no longer in a compromised situation. Thank you so very much. I will get back to you as soon as possible. Look through that tracking device and tell me whatever you can about it. Thank you.
1: Still sitting on the bed, though she's moved a a couple of inches away from you. Cerise has put her hair back in order, and she's straightening out her clothes.
0: I swear that's never happened to me before.
1: Well, perhaps it's... For the best. I, I do have my my duties to be attending to today. Yes,
0: yes. You do have those those duties. Um, and you have the rehearsal dinner tonight, right?
1: Yes, yes. The the rehearsal dinner will be at Merrily's tonight.
0: Merrily's. it's a restaurant, I believe.
1: Yes, yes. On the the upper levels, the upper plateau.
0: And the grandfather is going to be there, right?
1: Yes, of course. All the families will be there. It is strictly a family affair, just the the two families. But of course, you seem to have a special rapport with Madame Orden, so you have been invited. Good. We, of course, should not arrive together. It would raise too many questions of Of how we knew each other, and Madame Orden has a bit of a jealous streak.
0: Oh, uh, that's- that's all- oh, oh, I- I see. I- and very charming to Alderanian women, apparently, and hopefully other women. She blushes. I I know you're busy, but um, after this, let's talk. I would like that. I like you a lot.
1: As do I. Like like you.
0: Of course, yes. And they move to the door, and they look at each other again.
1: She. Leans forward for a kiss?
0: Yeah, he, no, he's, absolutely. And again, it is a very hungry kiss. They, I mean, they broke through that barrier very easily until she finally gets a communicator alert.
1: I am running late.
0: Yes, yes, no, I I understand. I will, I don't want to rush anything. Uh, Rush things. Yes, of course.
1: I will see you tonight at Merrily's.
0: Yes, I will be there on time. Which is again, what time? 7 p.m. 7 p.m. We'll be there. And then he pauses for a second and then offers her a thumbs up again, just as a kind of a
1: joke of last night. And she does chuckle until she answers her communicator. Yes, Madame Orden. I apologize greatly. There was a holdup at the dry cleaners, but all has been... And you're hearing her carry on her business as she walks down the hallway.
0: Castian leans against his door and smiles and then pauses as he looks towards the telescope holder and the journal resting on his nightstand. And his face definitely shows he's conflicted as now he remembers, oh, right, I shouldn't be doing this. He's a Jedi.
1: And there is no one here to disabuse him of that notion.
0: Of course, there's no one here this time to say no to that. Castian mumbles as he goes, and honestly, he has no other clothing. So he goes to the garment bag and opens it up, and that's what he's wearing right now. What is it?
1: The outfit is a fashionable men's suit. It is outfitted in the colors of House Orden, which is a goldenrod yellow and a creamy white.
0: Well, I'm going to look ridiculous, he says. as He puts it on and he almost feels like the the sleeves kind of adjust to his broad shoulders. And he realizes like this is synth silk. This material is synth material. Which means it's smart material. It can adjust to fit him better. It can't make major alterations, but it fits like a glove. And he looks at himself in the mirror and says, not bad. I clean up quite nicely. All right. So what do I have to do tonight? Yes. And Castian nods his head. And Castian's heading out. He definitely puts up a do not disturb sign on his door. And he's going to try to find a library. And what he's doing is he's going to look up any information about Riston Aster, as well as look at some of the information he downloaded onto his datapad about him that is a little bit more sensitive. He wants to know this Aster guy. He knows that this Riston Aster was part of the Empire, but the Empire was still watching him, even though they allowed him to retire. He wants to see why. Maybe he can use that. There's a reason why the Empire was worried that he might have sympathies for the Rebellion. So he wants to try to get into this guy's head to see what he can use to convince him to break the law and put himself in danger, honestly.
1: Crevasse City does have a library. Alderaan, of course, is a society that's very dedicated to learning, improving yourself, that sort of thing. However, it is a library in a resort town. So it's not intended for in-depth Research. It has a single computer terminal. It has shelves filled with actual physical books that are all extremely light summer beach reads. First,
0: he is missing the Gamorrean Gambit issue number two. And he's just he needs to know what happened that made Bella do what she did in issue number three and four. So he's going to see if they have the Gamorrean Gambit. They do. Best day ever. They
1: have Gamorian Gambit 2 and new in the series that you didn't even know were coming out. Issues 9 and 10.
0: Downloading those, paying the fee, doing whatever he can, and then he's, then he's getting the work.
1: Okay. A little
0: bit of fun and then a lot more work.
1: Fair enough. So you find a sunny little corner in the Crevasse City Library. It's not a very well populated library. There is... An old librarian who is behind a desk who is reading her own magazines.
0: Great. So he sits down, opens up his data pad, and starts just going through whatever he could find.
1: So this is going to be a knowledge check And it's going to be average difficulty. I'm going to give you one boost die because you have already downloaded so much information. It's just how well are you able to synthesize this information.
0: Right. They don't have a category saying why we suspect he has sympathies. They just have a giant biography of the guy. Correct. One success, one advantage.
1: Very nice. So as you are reading about Riston Astor, a couple of things from his biography that pop out. He's only 64 years old. Which means that since he quote-unquote retired three years ago, that's a very young age to retire. So first of all, that inspires you to think that he was not allowed to retire, he was told to retire. Now often when somebody is told to retire, they don't actually get to enjoy their golden years for very long. But whether it's because of his standing in the empire, the knowledge that he had, respect for his position, or dumb luck, Ristinaster has been allowed to retire to Delea, the sister world of Alderaan, where his family has moved and has become a respected member of Deleian society. His son did also join the military, but his grandson, Rin Aster, who is the happy groom, has not pursued a life in the military.
0: How far did his son go?
1: His son enrolled in the actual Imperial Navy, so he was an officer in the military. He achieved a respectable title and, coincidentally or not, has not received a single promotion since his father's retirement.
0: Oh, he's still in the military? Yes. Interesting. Okay, great. And can I see from any of the hidden files that I've downloaded – Why he retired or what could have been the thing that made them say, like, you need to get out of here.
1: He has some commendations in his record about his thoroughness and his attention to detail and his cautiousness. hmm With your advantage there, you can kind of read between the lines that somebody that is thorough and cautious and detail-oriented is probably also very slow at implementing things.
0: Yeah, Castine's like just quickly doing some shorthand in a language that he understands, and he mumbles to himself, hmm, I see. Thorough, we know what that means. It means that he's not willing to make the hard decisions. Okay, I'm getting a picture here. And he spends most of this day here to the point where he actually almost misses the time where he needs to get going. He looks towards his watch and realizes it's a lot closer to seven than he expected. He immediately scoops up his materials and he is taking off running. He wanted to take a leisurely walk there because he didn't want to sweat in his clothing. But no, this he needs if he's going to make it on time, he's running.
1: You take one of the elevators back to the top plateau of Crevasse City. And just as you step off, you bump into Belia. Who? The girl from the dress shop.
0: Oh, no. Oh, no. Like, that's Castian's memory of, like, who way I recognize her. Oh, no, it's her. Oh, no. Oh, no. No, I have. She wanted a date.
1: Oh, uh, I, I, I thought you'd forgotten.
0: I'm sorry. Do I know you?
1: And she just blinks at you. Belia.
0: Oh, you are Belia. Oh, <laughs> you think I'm Preston, my brother?
1: <laughs> Give me a deception roll. <laughs> Average difficulty with a setback die.
0: Two successes and one threat.
1: I'm gonna bank that threat. I don't know what to do with it offhand. And she just blinks at you. Oh, have, have you seen him this evening? Uh, I, the last
0: time I saw him, he was trying on his third outfit for the night. He's very nervous. I thought he was going to meet you at your, uh, he says you work at, at a um, a shop of some sort. The, Is that-
1: the, the dress shop.
0: Yes, I believe he said he was going to meet you there. I, is he not there yet? I thought he said your date was... Oh, that's right. He Honestly, he felt so embarrassed. He didn't actually, like, set up any time with you. He was so nervous. He was going to show up around eight o'clock, nine o'clock. Do you want me to try to get a hold of him? I could tell him that you are eagerly waiting for him somewhere else.
1: Well, I, I suppose if if you say that he's coming, I, I, I could I could wait. Yes,
0: it's, I believe, like I said, nine o'clock at the uh, your 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 shop, which is the you said it was a dress shop.
1: Yes, the, which which closed an hour ago. Oh, you know what?
0: Here, he's gonna take out some credits and give it to her and say like, "My brother will pay me back." Yeah, Preston, there's that cafe over there. Go, go get yourself a nice a drink, and I will contact him and tell him to hurry up. Like I said, he's just he's been trying on clothing all afternoon. He's uh, uh good luck with that one.
1: Um, th- 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 thank-, thank you.
0: Yes, I'm, I'm, and again, it's Balea? E- Balea. am I'm, again, I'm so sorry. Yes, I'm, oh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm Gregor, uh, my brother's Preston. People always say we look very much like our father.
1: Very striking resemblance.
0: Oh, thank you very much. I really do need to get going, but um, my brother, I, I will make sure to contact him on my way.
1: All right, all right uh, good luck tonight.
0: <laughs> good luck yourself. And he walks away feeling really bad. He's going to head over to the restaurant.
1: So Merrill's is a restaurant that is built along the highest plateau in Crevasse City. It's the oldest establishment in the area. Very old money. The restaurant seating area is open to the air with trellises arcing over it covered in flowering vines. Everything is pure white to both avoid competing with the gorgeous views of the mountains that lay beyond Crevasse City... And allowing the pink and gold rays of the sunset to paint the walls.
0: And this means nothing to Castian.
1: Especially because Castian is late. There's your threat.
0: Castian rounds the corner as he's running and immediately stops and acts like he's walking, but he's like breathing heavily and he just kind of walks towards the host that is in the front of this door.
1: And the host holds up a hand to stop you. I'm sorry, we're closed for a private event this evening. Yes,
0: I'm here for the reception of Arin and Varee of House Orden.
1: Yes, and the rehearsal dinner started ten minutes ago, sir. (laughs) I fail to see what is amusing about your tardiness.
0: Uh, Castian just drops all his facade. As he has been shot, he has broken up a girl's heart- Skitter has blocked him in more ways than one. And he's absolutely using a fair check on this guy and just says, you're making an exception. I'm a noble. We make our own time. I have fearsome.
1: I know you have fearsome. I do want to warn you that if you go through with this, you are going to get one conflict for putting the fear of God into some poor guy just trying to do his job.
0: Yeah, I'm going to do it. I have fearsome three.
1: That could have gone much worse for this minion. Just one failure.
0: But I take a conflict.
1: Yes, you take a conflict. Because as this guy's eyes go wide and his face gets a little pale, you realize he's like 17 and probably just working a summer job.
0: That's a good man. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm so sorry. I just I can't miss my family's wedding. Doesn't say which family it is. So he just slaps him on the, the shoulder Drops a couple credits down into his palm, his shaking palm, and waits for him to escort him into the room.
1: And he does escort you into the main seating area of the restaurant. It has been entirely rented out for the occasion, so everybody here belongs to either House Ordon or the Riston family.
0: Do they have any guards? This is a house, so everybody would have like kind of a guard, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Give me a perception check. This is going to be hard. Three difficulty.
0: One threat, but one triumph.
1: As you're looking around, trying to place security, they are obviously dressed to blend in. They don't want it to be known that they've brought their guards with them. It's a little gauche bringing your guards to a rehearsal dinner at a restaurant that you rented out. So they've made sure the families on both sides to have their guards dressed as members of the family.
0: But I'm seeing people who are standing, definitely. They're not enjoying themselves. They are working. Yes. They're blending in. They're not talking. Or if they are talking, their eyes are always bouncing around.
1: And you said you had a triumph and a threat? Threat, yes. So as the kid leaves you, another person immediately sidles up to you. So what was that about?
0: He looks towards the person. Does he recognize this person?
1: You don't recognize him, but it's definitely one of the guard-like people.
0: Oh, I'm here for the party. I'm Gregor Tibbins. I should be on the list.
1: I don't care about the list. I care about somebody that's scaring my nephew.
0: Oh, that was your nephew. He scares quite easily. I'm so sorry. I merely mentioned I was on the list. He panicked and I said I was late. I informed him I was only late because he was off talking to some girl named Balea. Because of that, I was late getting in here. So I I, I do think I might have said a harsh word to him, but that nephew of you really needs to uh, learn a little responsibility. I slap the guy on the shoulder and keep walking.
1: I'm watching you.
0: Of course you are. I look fantastic. Again, he's taking on Lando's persona and he's walking to a seat. Does it have like a nameplate for him?
1: No, because this seems to be kind of a, a more cocktail hour sort of dinner party. So while there are tables and chairs, everything is covered in fine white linen tablecloths. Nobody at the moment is sitting to partake in a meal aside from the bride and groom to be. You see Vary is sitting on kind of a dais at the back of the restaurant and she has a drink in front of her, her hors d'oeuvre plate. She is dressed very, very nicely in colors very similar to yours, the golden yellow and the, the cream dress. As those are the colors of House Orden. And next to her sits a young man who does bear a resemblance to the picture of Riston Aster that you saw in his file, meaning that this must be a Rin Aster. He's a dark skinned human who wears his hair braided intricately close to his scalp, in of course the style preferred by Alderanians.
0: As Castian looks around at all the hairstyles, he realizes that. He looks the part from the neck down, but then he realizes his hair is literally just kind of pulled into a ponytail. And he kind of reaches back and tries to even it out as he might get a couple looks of like, who's that guy? But, you know, he, he grabs a drink as it passes from a tray and he continues on looking towards the Aster family uh, to see if he can find dear old grandpa.
1: You do spot him. He's also towards the back of the restaurant, not sitting on the dais, but he is sitting towards the back. He's an older gentleman who has the same dark skin as his grandson, but he keeps his salt and pepper hair cropped close to his head, still in a almost military style. He definitely does not have braids like everybody else here. He is leaning back in his chair looking relaxed to an untrained eye, but, and this is building on that triumph that you had earlier, you can see that he's actually anything but. He's sitting with his back to the wall, his hands are balanced on a cane as though he's ready to push himself up at any moment, and his eyes are scanning the room even as he talks and laughs with his family.
0: Great, Castian is going to make his way towards the man.
1: As you are trying to get back there, Madam Orden, the mother of the bride, swoops in next to you. Mr. Tibbins.
0: Oh, Madam Orden, I am so sorry I seem to have left my jaw on the floor the moment I saw you. You look simply ravishing.
1: Oh, aren't you such a charmer. Uh,
0: that's what I've been told. Uh, your daughter, please. She, I just want to say she looks quite lovely. I hope she found the perfect dessert for her night.
1: Oh, yes, of course she did. Our comptroller was trying to put a damper on the evening, but we were able to persevere and overcome.
0: Oh, well, very good. Very good. I am glad to hear it. Uh, you know, they can be troublesome, those comptrollers, but you know, a good one is worth their weight in dudium.
1: She flinches when you say that. An interesting metaphor. Now, please, I would love to introduce you to more of the family. Come with me.
0: That doesn't sound like a request. So yeah, he he follows. Of course, he tosses a glance towards Wriston, but he's also kind of looking to see if he can find that troublesome Comptroller.
1: As you are swept into a conversation with more of the members of House Orden, and you might think that... This woman might be trying to, like, pair you up with an eligible niece or cousin. No, it's like all conversations with other middle-aged women. And Madame Orden is definitely flirting very heavily with you.
0: I'm Arm Candy. Okay. I look towards to see if I can find her husband and see if he has a very beautiful young lady with him. He does. Of course. Castine winces a little bit and then just joins in with the, the flirtations and laughter. And he's playing his role.
1: So what brings you to Alderaan?
0: Well, Mr. Calrissian is very interested in uh, investing in uh, nerf farms. What ghastly creatures. Oh, absolutely. But uh, apparently Mr. Calrissian just loves them. He He's always telling me, you know, just nerfs or nothing.
1: As you are scanning the room again... You probably look not dissimilar to Riston Aster at this point. The fact that you are having a conversation and you are obviously charming these ladies, but you're not 100% there as your eyes are scanning the room looking for Cerise. And you do see her standing off to the side. She looks like she's talking with some member of the kitchen staff. Can you give me a vigilance roll? This is going to be a daunting check and I am upgrading one of those. So it's going to be three purple, one red. And I'm going to throw in a setback die because you do have these women chattering at you, distracting you.
0: I literally got one success. Just one success, nothing else.
1: So I had you roll vigilance to see if you notice anything extra in this space. And there's so much going on. There's so much movement, so much laughter, so much talking. The drinks are being shared freely. There's amazing hors d'oeuvres that are being passed. But the waitstaff, they aren't working in tandem very well. A well-trained waitstaff is going to make sure that the drinks are spaced out appropriately so you don't have three servers going past all with the same tray of drinks past the same group over and over again. You know, you'd have a tray of drinks come past you and then the first hors d'oeuvre and then the second hors d'oeuvre and then maybe a different drink come past you. These servers must all be brand new because they don't have that timing worked out.
0: Can I roll underworld just to see just how these people are carrying themselves? Like there's wait staff of a tourist town. They're not going to walk the same way as a person who is watching his back 24/7. He's looking to see if somebody doesn't look right.
1: I'm going to make this hard.
0: I'm going to upgrade one of my greens to a yellow. One success, one threat.
1: Physically? They all look like they could totally belong as waitstaff at the nicest restaurant in the nicest resort town on Alderaan. They are all young, they are fit, no obvious scars or tattoos, and that's what pings your danger sense. They all look so boring and nondescript that the odds of finding a dozen people that are all average height- average complexion, average hair color. That's what's not sitting right with you.
0: Castine is going to take the hand of Lady Orden and give it a playful kiss and say, uh, Ladies, if you will excuse me, I need to powder my nose. And I'll be right back, though. This is simply been a delight. And he offers a playful wink to who? Who knows? They can be arguing about that uh, while he leaves. And he walks around some people and then he pauses as he looks towards. He's kind of in the middle there's Riston over there, mm-hmm. to the left of him, and Cerise to the right. And Castigan's danger bells are just going off. Something doesn't feel right, and he wants to get somebody out, or at least get to somebody. And uh, he goes to Cerise. No, he's walking towards Cerise and the cook.
1: Cerise is deep into an argument with the chef. I told Marilee that we had ordered the filet cooked rare. Excuse me.
0: I'm sorry. Hi. And before she came in to talk, he gives her a look and then he looks towards the uh, chef and then points towards the door behind him. Is that the kitchen back there? Well, yes, of course. Fantastic. I need to speak with this woman and he's brushing past the chef. Oh, excuse me, sir. But- and Castian just brushes him aside. Castian's going with attitude uh, makes the man on this. And hopefully this guy doesn't want to push around a noble. So he's grabbing Cerise and trying to get her into the back door of the kitchen, or if it's a hallway, whatever, just out of there.
1: Well, you asked if it was the kitchen, and he said yes. So yes, you are in a very, very busy, hot, noisy kitchen. What in the name of all the stars is happening? I was in the middle of a conversation Did with you them. cheap out
0: on the- did you cheap out on the waitstaff?
1: Excuse me?
0: How much did you pay for the waitstaff? Was it lower than what is expected?
1: We did not pay for the waitstaff. They are all members in good standing of Marilyn's staff.
0: They're all messing up. And he kind of points her towards the window. We peek out of the little circle window and he's just pointing towards waitstaff. Look at all these people. They could be part of the same family. They're nondescript. If you're trying to figure out who they were in a lineup, it would be difficult. And they keep on messing up how you do waiting. And yes, I know how a waiter should work. I had to live in high society for a while. I don't think these are the waiters that you hired.
1: Well, they've had to deal with a lot of conflicting demands tonight. I
0: don't think these are waiters.
1: Who else would they be?
0: Bad people.
1: And you're face to face with Cerise Nebella. Both of you with your faces so close together to look out that same small porthole window. And as you look at her, Cerise's face is what fills your vision. And she is a vision of beauty. Even as she is obviously annoyed with you about your conspiracy theories, your interruption of her very important work. And so that is what you're looking at when all of those nondescript waiters, as if they heard some sort of cue... Drop the trays that they were carrying. And when you look up, hearing this clattering of dishware and, and the startled gasps and the indignant responses of all the nobles that are gathered, which turn into gasps and screams of terror as all of the waitstaff pull out weapons.
0: Castian, Mama's to Cerise. Well, look, honey, I just won our first argument.
1: Thank you for listening to this episode of the Fandible Solo Shot, Star Wars Force and Destiny podcast. You can now find all episodes on the Fandible Solo Shot podcast feed on iTunes and all other podcasting platforms. Please subscribe and leave us a review to help new listeners find us for their Star Wars actual play fix. You can also find us on Twitter at Solo Shot Podcast. And if you enjoy the stories we tell here and on the rest of the Fandible Podcast network, consider donating to our Patreon at patreon.com Fandible. Thanks again, and may the Force be with you always.
0: One of them starts walking up to you and grabs the jacket that you're still wearing by the collar.
1: I really wish you hadn't done that. Why? Grab my repulsor fist and smack him right in the face.
0: Hello there, and welcome to Coruscant Nights. Coruscant Nights is an actual play RPG podcast set during the Clone Wars era of the Star Wars universe. On Coruscant Nights, our goal is to bring as many different voices to the table as we can. You sure got Val Yindo's family there, don't ya? We do. sure got Val Yindo over a barrel. Ah, uh, look, fellas, I, I don't know if you, you forgot your prescription lenses, but uh, clearly there's been some kind of mistake. I mean, th- there's not much family resemblance here. Mando, man underline underline exclamation point yeah he's the one he's he's real shiny i'm
1: looking at it right now
0: yeah you did get it right of course i got mando man
1: through <laughs> a deception check